0: this episode we'll be talking about throwing muses throwing muses on the line i have rob hey buddy ben good morning and kyle hey there throwing muses is the 1986 debut album of the band throwing muses on the british independent label 4ad producer was Gil norton and the genre is post-punk alternative rock i'm gonna read from heather ferris from the Kristen hirsch website. Throwing Muses' self-titled 1986 debut is still a startling collision of punk energy, folksy melodicism, and Christine Hirsch's mercurial vocal and lyrics. The violent, vibrant move swings on songs like Call Me. They are a testament not only to Hirsch's unique talent, also the elasticity of Tanya Donnelly, uh, David Narcio, and uh, Leslie Langston's playing. Even if the volatile moods on songs like Hate My Way aren't easily understood, they're easily felt. The twists and turns of Vicky's Box and Rabbit's Dying take are guarded purely by the intense emotions they carry. Throwing Muses is almost as varied musically as it is emotionally, ranging from the scary punk ability of America, she can't say no to stand up angular acoustic post punk. To the cathartic thrill of Delicate Cutter's unsettling folk, Donnelly contributes the surreal, ethereal love song Green. Even at this early point in the Muses' career, it's clear that she is a more accessible, straightforward songwriter, despite the care taken to make the song sound more like the rest of the album. A powerful debut, Throw Muses puts the work of most self-conscious quote, tortured artists to shame. It's fluid, effortless, Emotional shifts may not make for the most accessible music, but they're unquestionably genuine. All right. What do we think of Throwing Muses, self-titled? First,
1: first was a revelation. Yeah. Really? Revelatory.
2: Yeah. For um, me, too. I couldn't stop listening to this record. I listened to it in my office when I was, like, replacing the toilet seat. I was Every day I was trying to sneak it in, and I couldn't figure out. It sounded familiar, and it was Tanya Donnelly. It uh, was in Belly.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Oh,
2: okay. Uh, and I was really into Belly, like in high school. I had, I guess, both of their albums. But yeah, I couldn't get enough of this. And I've never even, I've never heard this band in my life. I, did you hear Bright Yellow Gun? Is that the Is that the Empire Records song?
0: Uh, yeah, it was featured on quite a few things in the 90s. And, and really, and that was them. So they did go into a more pop-oriented, you know, sort of. It, it wasn't this sort of alt rock area. They did they did find themselves and that song kind of sounds like a garbage song. Um th- garbage the band. Not not
3: like a
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah Bright Yellow Gun was was
2: big. I know that Claire got the Empire Records soundtrack for that song and that song's not on it. Oh it's not on the C D <laughs>
0: But yeah, I had never heard this album. I mean, this is an early album for them, first album. I, I yeah, I was blown away. I just couldn't believe. It's shockingly
2: ahead of its time. Definitely. I couldn't. I couldn't believe this was eighty six.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Sounds, sounds like ninety six.
4: Yeah. It does. Yeah.
0: I, the thing I found most striking about it is just the shifting sort of tempos, the honest, introspective lyrics that are just right out in the forefront. I mean, talking about blowjobs and things like that. It just didn't seem like that was brought into this sort of a singer songwriter element, maybe with the exception of someone like Kate Bush or someone who's really pushing the boundaries. But yeah, the progressions, the sort of unorthodox in their song structures, and then the lyrics—it it kind of brought it all into this place that I, I was, yeah, completely shocked, like you, Kyle.
2: Couldn't, couldn't yeah. believe it. The lyrics are enigmatic and raw and um, um, often frightening. Yeah. um and just intriguing uh the passion of this record is just it's so honest and, and raw I, it's intoxicating
0: yeah um I did read too that some people were saying this is the what would you say the transition from Susie into the alt riot girl aspects of you know like the 90s okay uh, rock. absolutely and I, I yeah. thought that was a really apt comparison of saying oh yeah it It fits right in there of the of of taking what Susie was doing at the time with her vocality and and sort of having uh, these surrealist lyrics and but also personal and and then pushing that into uh, people that we'd get later like PJ Harvey.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I take it. Why the hell can't you find this record on any like sort of medium to listen to it via streaming? Like even fucking YouTube is missing two songs.
4: It sure is.
0: Yeah, like I'm guessing what that's the a hell? four four AD <laughs> yeah.
4: situation. I mean, four AD doesn't seem to have problems getting Pixies albums on Spotify. <laughs> True, y'all y'all that were around Bloomington in the early 2000s, you remember the band Nim at all? Oh yeah, know? oh yeah. That, that, yeah. I was getting a lot of like 2001, 2002 Nim vibes from this 19, 1986 album. 1986, Definitely. that's crazy. Yeah, Nim was from Fort Wayne, right? Uh-huh. I thought I I knew they were from north of us. I did, I thought Chicago but it could have been Fort Wayne.
1: We saw sure them in, Fort in Wayne.
2: Indianapolis to you be wrong Yeah.
4: Like yeah, man. Saw them a lot. They were uh they're mm-hmm. prolific. Yeah, they were.
0: Yeah, this I I felt really bad too for throwing muses because every single write up, I don't know if anybody else encountered this, every single one was like Oh, this is the band that signed to 4AD. They were the first American band, you know, to sign to the sort of prestigious independent label, and then they got the Pixies to sign or whatever. It, they were always in the same breath as as the Pixies. Pixies so I was like, yeah. I, was like, I saw that too. That's cool. I understand that, but also, can you just recognize that this band is also a unique, you know, has their own unique identity without constantly referring to them as the band on the sidelines of the pixies or something (laughs) i just i
4: I I read it differently than that i i thought it it sounded to me like it was so that the pixies got picked up by 4ad because they were working so closely with uh throwing muses at the time right so the way i see it had it not been for throwing muses would i have been able to Hear Pixies on the radio as easily as I could, and well, I guess not college radio. Yeah, you know, uh, but yeah, like if if throwing Muses had not been there attracting the attention of Four AD, how long would it have been before someone else had picked up the Pixies and and gotten them on on a, like an international stage? They were they were the the catalyst there. I, I I I wish I don't know. I wish they weren't so hard to find their albums. I wish they
2: were as yeah. ubiquitous as a Pixies album. You know, is yeah. this is this the only record that's in the book by the Throwing Muses? Yeah, was, from what I've heard, I've heard some of their later stuff, and it's incredible too.
4: And seems like they stayed with 4AD for a while, at least. Yeah, 4AD, and then into the '90s, 4AD and Sire. So, yeah, where's all these? Where's all my Throwing Muses stuff? Big record labels why can't i find this stuff online <laughs> yeah you know absolutely maybe it's on their Bandcamp. i didn't
0: look. i was gonna say yeah it yeah. they do have that they they were still touring um they were still you know creating uh Kristen Hirsch was still doing albums so it, it might have just been a contractual thing that they didn't want to do it that's fair if they want to sell it the the way that they're selling it that's their prerogative <laughs> for sure
4: I'm just I'm clicking through their career 4 yeah, 480 to Sire to Warner Brothers to reprise like yep. these are heavy hitters. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I find it very odd that um, I'm this old and I've heard of the name throwing muses but sure just this record I, I would have uh, assumed would be you know that that college in with a lot of those other college bands yeah. of, of in the same breath. I'm just being like oh of course and maybe they are maybe I'm just you know ignorant of that. Uh, I was going to ask Ben about this since, uh, you know, they they initially were playing on drums without cymbals. They didn't have cymbals <laughs> at the time, yeah, which became yeah, a <laughs> trademark early on. What do you think about the drumming on this album and did it distract I, you? or?
4: It's not distracting. It's cool. And, and the album is not void of cymbals. There's definitely some hi-hat on here in places. But yeah, no, I, I think, you know, Necessity is the mother of invention, sounds like their drummer didn't have a a, a drum kit. He was, uh, cause he was a, like a marching band guy, mm-hmm. you know? He, uh, so he didn't have like a rock and roll drum set. And then when they finally acquired one, it didn't have cymbals, but you know, you, you still got to play, you still got to practice. So yeah, he's composing these songs on a drum set with no cymbals, definitely definitely kind of a- added to, to the sound. And like I said, by the time they're recording this album, there's some cymbals on this album but you can tell like the 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 structure of the song was composed just like with like just drums and stuff like definitely someone who comes from a more you know re- read music from a stand uh you know background than than just punk rock drum kit
0: yeah i found it very interesting to have that aspect because it it brought me back into the sort of uh oh i don't know velvet undergroundish uh sort of like minimal it, not minimal drumming, but it, it just didn't rely on the typical rock cymbal crashes, yeah. right? You know, yeah. or a it, primal it, it, expression. Yeah. He's
4: not just throwing a throwing a backbeat.
3: Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. And that allows for uh <clears throat> that tonal space to be filled up with something else. Like mm-hmm. the first time i had heard of anyone doing that intentionally was uh um Brian Eno with needle yeah. in the camel's eye. Mm-hmm. No, no symbols on that song, but the jangly guitar takes up the same uh, same spot that the symbols would normally. Mm-hmm. But it's cool, man. Yeah. yeah.
0: really gave me uh I mean big REM vibes too yeah uh, oh yeah super mm-hmm. big REM vibes I, I just I was like wow you know if REM was, guitar yeah, yeah jangle guitar that sort of transition obviously they're probably less pop but yeah I was just getting that sort of a almost Athens um I know they're originally from, vocals yeah yeah it's cool a little bit of a, the b-52s in the in the oh, yeah, yeah, especially that, and, yeah. that
4: note that she was just holding in our in in cans. Yeah, it had it was a, almost very, the... Uh, very, uh, like, Cindy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like
1: yeah. a dolphin.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, almost, uh, what was it, BG's. Gees? Uh,
3: oh. <laughs> yeah, That's sort of, oh, like, goat the goat vocals. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Robin Gibb vocal. A <laughs> uh, vocal goat. <laughs> yes, a vocal
1: goat, a Robin
3: Gibb.
1: <laughs> I don't know if anybody...
0: Uh, read into her background or her it sort is. of dual personality, but man, it, yeah.
2: it's, it's haunting. Kristen or, or Tanya? Uh, Kristen. Kristen.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. She got in like a, a bike accident that gave her a double concussion when she was a teenager. 16, mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of gave her like this alternate personality that she called uh, Bad Kristen or Rat Girl.
4: Her autobiography and, uh, is called Rat Girl. Yes.
2: That's yeah, about her. Uh, I
4: should check that out, yeah.
2: So I think a lot of these songs she writes in a like a dissociative state, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating.
4: I also thought, I thought it was, it was really cool and interesting that, so Kristen and Tanya were like school friends and then was it like Kristen's mom marries Tanya's dad. So then they're stepsisters. Yeah. Like what a, what a awesome excuse to just start a band, you know, like we we were friends and now we're living in the same house. So let's take over the garage.
0: Yeah. And they started uh, when they were 14 uh, mm-hmm. you know and by the time she was 20 they were signed to 4AD uh you know and then by the time she was 22 she was signed to Warner Brothers i mean
2: that's crazy it's wild i know that talents there though absolutely
0: yeah. yeah and you could you can tell on these i mean i, I feel so bad for her because of the uh, dis, dissociative uh, disorder which she was previously diagnosed as bipolar but at the same time, you can hear that sort of rawness and and introspection on these lyrics because she was writing them, you know, when she was having this uh, after the double concussion. It's it's wild. It's interesting to think about, I guess.
4: It is some nice uh nice woodblock there in America. She can't say no. See, like, when you don't have the symbols, you, you have options to bring in the woodblock. <laughs>
2: Yeah, when I first heard this, I thought it was kind of silly, the woodblock, and then the more I hear it, I just I can't imagine the song without it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, we're on, uh, what are we on right now? Rabbit's Is this dying? America? No, it's Rabbits, rabbit's Dying. Rabbits
4: Dying. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry.
0: Um, And yeah, this sort of jangly Americana, but it's sung by like someone inspired by Susie. You know, it's just, it was so good. When it, when I get to this song, I was like, I'm in. All right. Yeah. Definitely. The-
4: this song reminds me of like stuff on like maybe Wild Gift.
0: Sure, yeah, they were they were very inspired by um, X and um, and in those bands as well. People kind of lumped them in with uh, yeah, like singer songwriters, and they're like, no, we're we're <laughs> we're definitely yeah. outside of that.
4: Is this the first time that we've heard the loud, quiet, loud that we're gonna start hearing everywhere? You mentioned Nirvana. It's also definitely a Pixies thing, but we haven't covered Pixies yet. You yeah. know.
0: In this particular, I can't think of anything. Yeah. yeah. In this particular fashion, uh, I you could say violent femmes for sure.
4: Okay, okay, yeah.
0: But but you're right. It is it is that that sort of element I think is particular to songs like these, and this is definitely a showcase for that that kind of um sort of uh, bringing it down during verses or bringing it down during choruses. Or, yeah.
4: I like when when I read about the loud, quiet, loud technique and this might be like I I've read a lot of articles uh, on the pixies pixies been a big pixies fan since the 90s but the when, when it's spelled with loud and lowercase and quiet and all caps and then loud and lowercase <laughs> like loud quiet loud it, it, that's really what it is like the quiet parts are ge- generally like very intense yeah you know
0: yeah
4: I I always like when I see it stylized like that you know
0: it's very effective. And especially oh, on a, yeah. a record like this. It makes you, w- when you're listening to these songs, and it's like, okay, you're galloping along, and then all of a sudden she's like whispering in your ear of like a secret or something, and then it kicks right back into the mm-hmm. the gallop. I Very effective. We mentioned that uh, Tanya Donnelly was in, um, would you say, Belly? Belly. But, Belly. but we also neglected to mention her other um, band that she co- formed with Kim Deal from the Pixies, the Breeders.
4: Yeah. Wait, Tanya Donnelly is in the Breeders? hmm I did not know that. That's I mean, I'm I'm very much not surprised. Obviously Pixies and Throwing Muses were coming up together. Sure. So it makes sense that she's friends with the Deals. Mm-hmm. Is she on all of them yeah. or is it just pod?
2: I don't think she was on uh their their second record.
4: Big Big Splash or
2: well, last, last splash, splash. last, last splash.
1: splash yeah I think she's just on pod.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I remember I, I bought the Breeders album, and the Belly CD, on the same day from from Tracks, my freshman year of high school. Humble brag,
4: <laughs> man. What a indie rock pedigree Tanya Donnelly has. Yeah, heck yeah, man. Man, she was she was just and like all all the big bands coming coming into the scene.
0: Yeah, that's
4: yep. crazy. A
0: lot of a lot of crossover, a lot of inspiration. I mean, yeah, it's a good times.
1: Chryskout didn't like it at all. Yeah, tell me what Chryskow thought, please. Yeah. When friends turn psychotic, I withdraw. Oh
3: I, haven't found,
1: <laughs> I haven't found Black Leotard sexy since I broke up with Sheila in 1962. I'm rarely persuaded that verbal dissociation reflects any social problems with the poet's own. So while I'm happy to grant the originality, even the craft of Kristen Hirsch's Clavery Freeform folk pop or sorry, folk punk, i do the same i do the same for the art of H.P. Lovecraft, Aeneas Nin, and Demita Gallus, fans of whom will pay m- more mind to Hersh's Buzz than I do. Gave it a C. And I was like, huh, I hmm. wonder what's going on with those other people he just mentioned, because I had no fucking clue. Um, uh, aside from Lovecraft. But uh, Diamond Gallus, uh, that's a lady y'all should be looking up. Uh, little things that she's done that you guys will appreciate uh 1984 she made her voice cameo appearance her first voice cameo appearance performing on the voices of the japanese assassins and flying weapons and canon films ninja 3 the domination oh. which was followed by three more films appearances she did the voice of the witch in john milanus conan the barbarian the voice of the dead and west craven's the serpent and the rainbow and she was also the Voice of the like background stuff in Bram Stoker's Dracula doing the erotically charged moans, breathless sighs, and high pitched shrieks.
4: Wait, so Christgau prefer, like, is she a recording artist?
1: Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> her, uh, her shit's fucking bonkers. It's, um, the first album was in 82 and it's called Litanies of Satan. Uh, oh. the second is The Divine Punishment in 86, Saint of the Pit in 86. Plague Mass in '91, the singer in '92. She's still putting out records, but yeah, it's all fucking rad. It's super fucking cool. And,
4: all right, uh, I would. I, I've got her up on my screen now. This is wild stuff. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, uh, but anyways, I, I, the Ninja Three, the Domination, is what,
2: uh, what brought me here. <laughs> <laughs> These wild. I know. That's one of the, the Ghost Ninja, right?
0: Yes. Yep. It also has the V8 pouring. <laughs> this is not sexy. Oh, Canon.
2: Sorry, back to
1: this. <laughs> no problem.
4: I'm good. I, I like this record a lot. I'm really... I, this is the type of stuff I, I like doing this project because it introduced me to stuff like this that I wasn't familiar with before and uh, apparently would never have stumbled upon online.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. It's. I had heard Throwing Muses. I... I couldn't really, it's one of those bands that I just couldn't place into where they fit in because I had heard Big Yellow Gun and some of their other singles and I was like, oh, they're kind of more of a poppy, you know, alt rock band from the 90s. And then you realize, whoa, 86, you know, she's like 20 years old and she's creating wonderful music that is going to go on Inspire and, and yeah, sit right alongside the Pixies. Really shocking. Yeah, really. Yeah, positive.
2: Yeah, I can't recommend this album enough. Super rad.
1: Um, it doesn't look like this album's up on Bandcamp either. So yeah, for anyone listening to this, just do your best. What's? Well, <laughs>
4: I, I haven't. I haven't been looking for throwing muses in dusty bins, but I've definitely never stumbled upon a throwing muses album in the wild.
1: And you never will. I don't, At least not not this one. All the rest of their catalog is up on Spotify. Uh, it's just this record is the uh,
4: the outlier. Well, as of as of today, this is the one I want. I'm sure the other stuff's good too, but I haven't gotten into it yet. I want this one.
2: Yeah, I've heard some of the later stuff, and it's just as good, if not better.
4: Okay, all right. 4AD, come on. You're, they're they're still they're still very much in business. They're still. They've still got a big stable stable of, of current artists. Reissue some of these classics, if you're listening to me, CEO of 480.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, send us records, please.
4: Yeah, send us records.
0: Uh, looks like the last time was
4: 2011. Oh. so Okay, well, that's that's fine. If it was re- re- reissued 10 years ago, I should be able to find it.
1: Actually, the, the vinyl's not even that bad up on Discogs. You can buy this for $16.36. Uh, Reissue your oh, or so original uh um, yeah this
2: album's on uh itunes i
4: don't know okay doesn't okay. matter all right no it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter but i was just curious if that was a, a price for uh for some ogs or if or if uh that's a price for uh apparently the 2011 reissue i guess yeah
1: the, the highest i've seen is 70 dollars on there so yeah that might be
4: original i don't know i mean if it like if the price difference is a couple bucks, I would go for original. If a price difference is between like $16 and $70, give me that reissue. That's right. <laughs> you know.
0: Christian Hurst uh, in her uh, interview quoted as saying, uh, In Newport, Rhode Island, this dude owned a, a record store, Doop Records. He would let me return a record if it sucked. I tried not to return them, but I didn't have a ton of money. And he said, quote, well, if you want to keep listening. So I did because of him. He wasn't even a nice guy, but he thought music was important, and he knew that I thought it was important, too. That dude was amazing. Cold, angry, wonderful. I saw him a few years ago, meaning in the uh, late 2000s, um, on tour, and we both cried and hugged each other. I thought that was so nice. That even though this, you know, curmudgeon record store owner was like, okay. You know, it's before the internet. If you don't like a record, bring it back. Listen to something else. I'll I'll let you you know check out records. So,
2: that's really. You think cool they'll do that it at landlocked?
0: Yeah, I actually I, I remember one time doing it at, at um it wasn't landlocked. It was like T D S, and I remember Tom kind of talked me into a record, and he was like, "Hey, if you don't like it, bring it back. Like no no worries." Because he kind of was fair yeah and i was like into a record yeah i yeah. was like and i brought it back and i was like this really isn't for me like i'm, I'm not into this um pro- i would probably be into it now i'm sure he was like eight steps ahead of me on what i would eventually like but i was just kind of like yeah all right yeah all positives on throwing muses next time we'll be talking about paul simon graceland all right thanks y'all Wonderful.